the hiking my feelings virtual campfire this is campfire number 19 holy guacamole we're doing it <laughs> oh man i can't believe it y'all we started this like uh what three years ago perfect so um this is campfire number 19 this is a fundraiser for the hiking my feelings wilderness wellness center so if you are joining us on youtube and you are not familiar with what we've got going on here um we are raising money for our center and also the american diabetes association that organization is on a mission to improve the lives of people living with diabetes, whether that's type 1, type 2, or pre-diabetes. And we're sending 10% of the proceeds from this event to the ADA. We're also setting aside 10% of the proceeds from this event for RAIN, which is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. Both of these organizations are near and dear to my heart. Um, by now, you probably know why. I am a person that lives with type 2 diabetes. It is currently in remission, and I am a survivor of sexual assault. So both of these organizations have made my life better, and I hope that they can make yours better, too. So thank you in advance for your donations. If you are watching on YouTube, you can donate now at hikingmyfeelings.org slash give. And if you wanna join us for the last campfire tomorrow, you can score a day pass at hikingmyfeelings.org slash campfire. So this is a good night tonight. I'm pretty stoked about it. We've got Griselle Williams here. She is a Latinx backpacker, a writer, a mental health advocate and therapist. She's also hiked from Canada to Me or Mexico to Canada on the Pacific Crest Trail and Georgia to Maine on the Appalachian Trail. And this year she was supposed to do the Continental Divide Trail, but um, you know, COVID happened. So <laughs> we also have Tui Avai from The Late Ones. He will be doing an interview with us and a acoustic performance. And we also have Jay Reddy from the Outer Belt Alliance. The Chicago Outer Belt is the trail that we were supposed to be hiking during this event, um, or during this time period that we are clearly not hiking. This is not Chicago. Um, but Jay is the founder of the trail that we were going to be hiking. So he's gonna be chatting a little bit about how he is working to make backpacking and hiking more accessible to all communities, especially in urban environments like Chicago. So tonight I'm going to be reading from chapter 18. This is called Unpacking My Trauma Pack. If you would join, were with us last night, Chapter 17, I just did my little rebirth ceremony in the Pacific Ocean at Parsons Landing on the Catalina Island Trail. And now we're getting ready to just like cruise back into town. We're getting ready to finish this trail. I didn't get to finish it the first time. I'm going to finish it this time. So here we go. If you're following along, we're on page 231 in the hard copy. If you're on an ebook, I don't know what to tell you, but we're on chapter 18. <laughs> so unpacking my trauma pack. The sunset after my rebirth ceremony was incredible. That night, we sat by the campfire and watched for shooting stars. We didn't set up our tarp, we decided to cowboy camp on the beach. The waves lapping on the rocks were the perfect white noise to ease me into one of the best nights of sleep I had gotten in over a decade since the assault. I was happy, safe, free, and loved. The next morning, we woke up and it was overcast again. As we packed up camp, I didn't want to leave. Can we stay here? I could live here. I've got everything I need, and I could just go back and forth between two harbors every few days to stock up on snacks and supplies. When I grabbed my backpack to sling it over my shoulder, I felt like the Hulk. The backpack felt as if there were nothing in it. On a literal level, we had eaten all the food we came with, so our packs were significantly lighter than they were the first day. I started thinking about everything I worked through all over this island, and as we made our way out of Parsons Landing back to the trail, I found a bit more understanding. 
after my rebirth ceremony, I realized that I've been hiking through life with this invisible backpack on, full of my trauma. Trauma pack. A backpack full of trauma. That's the one I was emptying here. The chaos that had occurred in my mind and body since the assault was the first thing to click for me. As we made our way back to Two Harbors, I thought back to Chemistry 101 in the semester after the assault. I was on track to go to medical school, but I was failing Chem 101 and had to drop the class to save my GPA. When I kept failing tests and was completely unable to retain the information, I thought it was because I was dumb. I berated myself. Who the hell do you think you are? You can't even pass Chem 101. How are you going to get into the higher level science classes? How are you going to get into medical school? I didn't seek help. I didn't think to explore the sudden change in academic performance. I just thought I was suddenly dumb, incapable of completing the science class, and I followed that belief all the way. Not only did I drop the class, I changed my course of study entirely. I asked myself what I liked doing and what I was good at, looking for the lowest hanging fruit, something I could pivot to that would be easy for me. At the time, I was bartending to pay for school, and I was really good at upselling. I also loved sharing stories with my bar regulars. Storytelling and selling, that's what felt natural to me. So I changed my plan and applied to the School of Mass Communications at the University of South Florida. I picked the public relations track and did my senior project on digital and emerging media. I succeeded in this course of study and went on to have a great career, but the impetus for change wasn't because I was stupid, not by a long shot. Looking back, my studies suffered because I was in a state of unresolved trauma. I didn't get help after the assault and I was not equipped to heal myself. I didn't know how badly I was hurting. I didn't realize what a heavy load I was carrying. Even though I couldn't wrap my head around what had happened to me, my body knew, and my body protected itself. My unresolved trauma required numbing to keep it hidden and buried, so I developed coping mechanisms like eating and drinking to find the comfort or numb the pain. Why was I eating or drinking my feelings to begin with? There it was. That early childhood conversation with my mom was the root of my body image issues. The rape caused the coping mechanisms, and I could see how they compounded and how things got out of control as I suffered loss after loss during the years where it felt like everyone around me was dying. I had lost 60 pounds since I was diagnosed with diabetes, and it was easy. Now the ease made sense. For my entire life, I thought that once I got to destination hot body, I would find happiness. It wasn't until I started doing some mindset work around my disordered relationship with food that I was able to connect the dots. For most of my life, food was the adventure. Food was the feeling. Food was how I expressed love. Food was how I soothed myself through the hardest years of my life. For me to manage my diabetes effectively, I had to change my mindset around how I nourished myself. If my go-to coping mechanisms were eating and drinking my feelings, and if I wanted to be the best diabetes patient my doctor's ever seen, I knew I couldn't keep digging into a pint of ice cream or polishing off a bottle of wine when I needed comfort. Once I identified why I was using food as an emotional crutch, I was able to shift my mindset. Now the food was the fuel for the adventures that I wanted my body to be able to enjoy. Now it was clear to me. When my mental health improved, my physical health followed. Happiness was never waiting for me on the other side of a perfect body. It was a byproduct of taking care of myself, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Doing that led me to joy, peace, and happiness. This outlet of hiking my feelings sped up the process for me because I couldn't run away or numb what was coming up for me when I was in the middle of the backcountry. Right foot, left foot was a mantra I used to drag my legs up the mountain on the first day, but it also carried in, over into my life off the trail. As I figured out how to start our nonprofit and raise money for the retreat center, I have to keep going. I can't just give up. On the trail, I couldn't just stop hiking. We had to keep moving, even when it hurts, to get to our next destination. In life, it's the same way. When it hurts, when it gets hard, I can't give up. I tried to lose the weight by going to the gym, but it didn't work for me. And let's be honest, most gyms aren't designed for true holistic wellness of the mind, body, and soul. 
between the beefcakes dropping weights and the news blasting on the TVs telling you how the world is melting down and commercials telling you which drugs you need for your condition or which products you should buy to improve your life, it's not exactly a positive, vibrant environment. Now that I was starting to understand how the trauma affected my mind and body, the metaphor of the backpack made so much more sense. There were a handful of pivotal moments on the trail for me. And if we're using the metaphor of our trauma being these items in the backpack, let's talk about what I unpacked on this island. The first big piece of trauma I pulled out was the grief that I hadn't processed for my friends who had passed. I held that grief in my hands, gave it the attention it deserved, and didn't put it back in my backpack. <clears throat> what I put back in my pack was positive memories, their legacy, and my commitment to sharing their stories whenever I could keep their spirits alive. <clears throat> Underneath that heavy stuff, I was able to take off my shirt at the playground in the middle of nowhere, choosing to cool down naturally versus being unnecessarily uncomfortable yet again. As I marched up one of the ridge lines between Little Harbor and Two Harbors, I was pulling out more heavy items, things people said I should change about my body that I physically can't or was tired of trying to fix. I reclaimed my thumbs, my hair, and my tattoos. When I got done exploring that trauma, I replaced, the I replaced it with the positive things I said to myself, lightening the backpack once again. And in return, at the top, I felt powerful in my body for the first time. And on the way towards Silver Peak, the hard route from Two Harbors to Parsons Landing, I realized just how much of that stuff in the backpack wasn't mine. Things that came up for me there, the things that came up for me there, the first came into my head as my voice, my inner critic. Every time I heard my voice, I stopped myself. We don't talk like that around here, I thought to myself, and what would it feel like to let it go? Once I released those thoughts and vowed to never speak to myself like that again, when these thoughts came back around, it wasn't the voice, it was in the voice of who actually said it. In those moments, I knew that these things weren't mine. They were other people's fears, insecurities, and projections. Since they were said to me by folks who were super important to me, whose words I treated as the truth without question, family members, coaches, mentors, bosses, select friends and colleagues, I internalized those comments as my truth. Or they were said to me or about me enough times that I figured if someone wanted to take that much time out of their day to say these things, they must be true. I'm a kind woman, but I don't need to carry people's heavy stuff for them anymore. By the time we got to the top of that peak, I had tossed so much of the stuff that wasn't serving me out of my bag and replaced it with more love for myself, more compassion, more permission to continue to release these things as they came up for me. Underneath all the lies I'd been feeding myself, I found the biggest, heaviest piece of trauma in my pack, the sexual assault. Once I cleared the way to get to my ooey gooey center, my deepest, darkest secret, it wasn't so scary. I had so much practice speaking kindly to myself that by the time I got down to the sexual assault at the bottom of the trauma pack, hanging out in there like a cinder block, there was no way that discovery was going to take me down. Very quickly, that piece of trauma became the brightest light and the biggest source of understanding, love, compassion, and empathy for myself in everything that happened in my life, good, bad, or indifferent, since the assault. It was only heavy when I didn't know what it was. I didn't see it until I was ready. And by the time I did, I knew what to do and how to handle it. Pro tip, people don't like it when you give them back their heavy items. They gave it to you for a reason. Once those words don't control your every move, the folks who gave them to you will not be happy for you. They want you to be miserable too, and they want you to pass it on like the common cold. It's your duty to yourself to break the cycle. When you're, when you're in a constant state of trauma, constantly triggered, feeling fight or flight about everything, your hormones do wild things. Your cells become inflamed and your body retains weight. My coping mechanisms were bringing more disease upon a body that already didn't feel safe existing in public. Even when I thought I was totally fine in the years that had passed during the assault, I had that secret eating away at me. The outburst my sisters reference made sense. 
I still wouldn't classify them as violent in any way, but the out of character reactions had context now. I didn't know what was being triggered. Everything just felt out of control. I thrived in environments that required all of my attention. At first, that was my career. I wanted to get control of myself and my situation. I wanted to be able to provide for myself. I didn't want to have to rely on a partner for support. So I jumped into a career. I took on extra assignments and was happy to be the first person in, last person out. And I was rewarded heavily for my work ethic, promotions, raises, and unique opportunities considering how junior I was. Between my people-pleasing tendencies and ignoring the trauma, I was a pressure cooker. Everyone else came first, and on the rare occasion that I would put my needs first and get called selfish as a result, I had a visceral reaction to it and dug my heels in further on neglecting my needs. I showed up for everyone always, but couldn't ever show up for myself. Not surprisingly, this behavior got me places too. Being available for everyone all the time is a great way to get invited to brainstorms, exposure to senior leadership, and FaceTime with clients. It also rolls out the red carpet for emotional, physical, and spiritual burnout. As I earned more responsibility, my death grip on my life tightened even more. As more and more people relied on me, I was harder and harder on myself. I was almost crushed by the weight of the impossible expectations I had set for my life. At the same time, it was impossible for me to see further than a year or two into the future. It was scary to make plans since mine were so violently ripped out from underneath me. I heard Barry up ahead of me and came back into my body, shifting out of dot connecting mode. Even though this last day on trail was flat, I was exhausted. My brain was doing most of the work, connecting the dots on all the seemingly unrelated events that had occurred since the assault and over the course of our two hikes across the island. It really did feel like a victory lap. And as we passed mile marker 33 of the Trans-Catalina Trail, I paused and cried. This was the mile marker I was most looking forward to on this trail, celebrating the farthest I had ever hiked, my 33rd birthday, and a new commitment to myself from this trip moving forward. I did it. I knew I could do it. And if I could do this, what else was possible? For the last five miles, I skipped and cried as we made our way back to the town of Two Harbors. I wanted to sprint because I was so excited and I wanted to stop and sit down because I didn't want this experience to end. Barry and I stopped right before the last turn into town and hugged. I'm proud of you, he said one last time, hands on my face. He pulled me in for a kiss. I sniffled so my boogers wouldn't interfere with the kiss. <laughs> I'm proud of me too, I whimpered through my tears. Well, I knew I had learned a lot of step in my healing journey, and I knew it wasn't the last. So that is chapter 18, Trauma Packs. So let's see. I want to share a little bit of fun stuff with you. So I've mentioned a couple times that we're launching a course, and this is the next step in the Hiking My Feelings world of everything going on. So this is Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. The adventure begins on June 28th. So this is 12 weeks of guided self-discovery with a weekly hiking progression, community support, and deep healing for your mind, body, and soul. So what does that mean? Let's talk about it. <coughs> so first things first, we are talking about all the wonderful things that we are doing here and the inspiration intention and integration are three of the things that we care most about here at hiking my feelings so we are just this is what we were rooted in for read and reflect so if you participated in read and reflect that's our once yearly free series where we dive deep into the book and we talk about all the lessons learned along the way we go through the journal prompts together um, we have a weekly zoom call this is building on that so we are really excited about 
uh, bringing this into a new space for us in that month one is all about inspiration. So let's take a look at your story. Let's turn your pain into power. We, month two is all about intention. So what does it mean to dream as big as you possibly can? Because we can see your vision and we want to help you get there. And integration takes all of the lessons that we learned along the way on the trail, everywhere else, and puts them into perspective for your life. So number three, uh, 12 weeks of guided self-discovery, inspiration, intention, integration, and... Twelve weeks of uh, hiking progression. So, whether you're a newbie, experienced, or an expert, we've got something for you. So, I started out on the Trans-Catalina Trail the first time with no experience whatsoever. I don't really recommend that route because I couldn't walk right for three weeks after I was done, and my feet hurt like crazy. So, whether you're a newbie, experienced, or expert, we've got something that we can help you out with. And the way that this works is. We make recommendations and we share tools to help you find trails around you. Um, if you're local to Southern California and you want to hike with us here at the Reggae Ranch, you're more than welcome to do so and we can coordinate that separately. They will be socially distanced. We will abide by local health uh, regulations with masks. Um, but if you aren't local, then we'll say, okay, if you're starting from scratch, here's a great hike to start, like do a couple miles here. And if you have elevation gain, great. And then each hike has a walking thought and some guided self-discovery exercises that will help you get into your body, start processing some of the stuff that's coming up for you and just have that extra layer of awareness as you're hiking because hiking for us is like a moving meditation. So we'll talk a little bit about how that works. And then when we come back together, the next part of the um, program is community support. And with the community support, we have family meetings, we have um, support squad and all that stuff. So every week after we get done with these hikes, then we come back together and we talk about what came up for us. So family meetings, these are like what family meetings should have been when we were growing up, um, a safe space, judgment-free to process what's going on in your life. Um, summit squads are your smaller groups. So we gr break the whole class into groups of four or five people. And that's your, like, those are your people for the course. And you have a weekly call with them to help keep you guys accountable, help you keep moving towards your goals, lift you up if you're feeling blue, whatever you need, like those are your people. And then every month you get a one-on-one -on -one call with me to talk about whatever you want. This is your time to use um, to help you find your true north, whether that's the stuff that we're talking about in the course, if you've got stuff going on at work or school or at home, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And if I can't answer your questions, I've got a lot of really smart friends and I can point you in the right direction. So that's a little bit about the um, course. So we start on June 28th. Registration is open and you can join us at hikingmyfeelings.org slash B-Y-O-T. Pricing wise, it is $99 for the whole course or $33 a month. And we do have scholarships available. So if you are impacted by COVID, if you know you want to participate, but you just don't have the money, send me a message, um, email, DM on Instagram, messenger is great. Um, whatever carrier pigeons, unicorn smoke signals. Um, if you're looking to join us and you know that this work is something that you're ready to do and money is just the only barrier to your entry, then come let us know. We can do trade agreements. We can, we are offering just straight scholarships as well. We just want to make this healing and this programming as accessible to as many people as possible. And while we're still applying for grants, this is something that we still have to charge for. But as we start um, winning more grants and getting more donations, then we'll be able to subsidize this pricing even further. So really excited to get that going. And my first guest tonight 
is someone who can tell us probably a whole lot about self-love and feelings and being on the trail and all this stuff. Miss Grizel, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. <clears throat> Come on down. It's like the price is right. <laughs> Hi. Dude, that Hi. was so cool. How are you? Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I thought that was so, I think it's so, there's so much beauty in that. Like, that's so exciting to see that how much you have put into it. I can just tell how much love and <laughs> how much it's really helped you as well. That's really neat. That was really cool to watch. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like for everybody that does not know about how badass you are, like who is Griselle and what are you all about? <laughs> um, my name is Griselle. Um, it's also pronounced Grisel. Um, I am, my family's from Dominican Republic and um, I am a writer. I am a backpacker and I am mostly writing about mental health. So I feel like this is a good fit for us. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of why I brought you on for this one. I was like, wow. I think I know a gal who might understand. <laughs> yeah, no, it was cool to hear just like, it really is true that like hiking. Oh, is it still on? Oh, there she hiking. Is. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Um, hiking really is just a walking meditation. I really resonated with that. That was really cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, so tell me a little bit about your hiking experience. Cause you've done, um, you were going to pursue the triple crown and everybody who is here met will on episode one. So they're familiar with the triple crown, but, um, tell us a little bit about your backpacking experience. Yeah. So I, I didn't grow up backpacking at all. I'm from Miami, Florida. So there's not really like much backpacking there. <laughs> Um, but I always, I liked the outdoors, but I was just never really around it very much. And, um, so I was, I, and I ended up going to college for psychology and ended up getting my master's in, um, counseling. And I was a, a therapist for three years. Um, and I was licensed. Um, but through that time, as I was getting my like graduate graduate degree, um, I was living in East Tennessee, which is um, right on like where the Appalachian Trail is at. And so I started doing hiking like pretty late in life. I feel like in my in my early twenties, and then um, really loved it, but never thought I would ever do something like that. I always I remember I read a book when I was in like middle school about some dude hiking the AT and he wrote about his experience, but like, and I was like, I want to do that one day, but you know, there's a difference between talking about it and actually doing it. Cause it's like, a, it's a really, they're really long trails, like they're months long. So I never thought I would actually do it. Um, but then when I was 25, when I was 25, um, I was actually practicing as a therapist and, um, actually went through something pretty similarly to you, um, was assaulted and it completely changed my life. I mean, when you think that you're going to die and really get so scared the next day, you're kind of just like, wow, like that could have been so even that could have been surprisingly worse. Like every moment really right. counts. Um, and yeah. it just really, it just changed my entire life. Like I remember I, I, the day after I remember thinking like, I have to make sure that I'm doing absolutely everything that I want to be doing. And I need to start practicing what I preach to all of my clients. Um, 
sorry, it's kind of windy. Um, so anyway, so actually after that whole instant, um, a few weeks later, I had bought a plane ticket to a person I was dating at the time who ended up breaking up with me, thank God, um, because of the assault, thought it was my fault, which is a whole nother story. And I was like, well, I have this plane ticket. I want to go hike the High Sierra Trail. And the High Sierra, Sierra Trail is, I, I think it's 120 miles um, in the Sierra Nevada and previously I had no backpacking experience and I was planning, I had two weeks to plan this trip. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know how I'm going to get there. My, my flight was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And I was like, I got to somehow fly into Phoenix and then make someone take me from Phoenix to, to Yosemite. Like I, I got to figure that out. And so, you know, I figured it out and that's kind of like what backpacking is, isn't it? Just like, you are taking literally one step after the other. Um, and so that trip, I mean, I still think it changed my life. It's literally the reason why I do everything that I do and why I believe in backpacking so much, especially. Is that super loud? <laughs> is it okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay, sorry. I, I, it, there's a huge gust of wind. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I ended up hiking that trail and like, just for the first time, like grieved, like really grieved, not just like what had happened to me, but like a lot of things I really, really needed to grieve from my childhood. And it was really tough. It was really hard. It was not the funnest hike, but it was a life-changing hike. So after that, I actually ended up quitting my job as a therapist and really just thinking like, what do I actually want to do with my life? And I was a full-time musician as well as doing both at the same time. And I was like, I think I want to be a writer. I think that that's what I need to be doing. And I want to write about mental health and I want to write about backpacking. And, but I didn't know what that meant. No one knows what that means when you're doing it. You're just like, yeah, this is a good idea. I guess I'll do it. And so um, I was living in Nashville and I was uh, working at a brewery bartending and I signed up for this thing literally on Instagram called um, Through Hike Syndicate. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Yeah. So I signed up for Through Hike Syndicate. Very just nonchalantly signed up for it because I was like, that'd be kind of fun if I could get it sponsored because like I, I can't afford going on a through hike. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know much about backpacking, but I'm going to go on this through hike or I'm going to sign up for this through hike. And then they ask you all of these questions and they're like, well, what kind of, which trail do you want to do? And I was like, well, what's the hardest one? Which one can, which one's the longest and the hardest one? So I, I was like, I'll just do the PCT. I feel like it's the hardest. I had no idea like what these trails meant. I had no idea. And then I ended up getting the sponsorship and I was like, holy hell, I have to hike this trail now. So that's how I started <laughs> backpacking. And I like, I was so excited, but I, again, didn't know anything about backpacking. If, if you've done like long distance backpacking versus like weekend backpacking versus even a month backpacking, there's so many different types of backpacking. And this was definitely by far the most extreme. And I actually went South. I started in Canada and was going oh. to Mexico. Yeah. Because I'm a loner and I, I love being alone and I wanted that kind of like meditative experience. But let me tell you, the PCT was was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And that was in 2018. Um, I was able to do that. And then it, I mean, you get hooked, you get the bug. And then in 2019, I was able to hike the Appalachian Trail, which was 
even that was that was hard that was a lot harder than the PCT for me um and then I was hoping to hike it this year and through that experience I've been working on just like writing about what hiking does for me and hopefully similar to you just hoping to like use our narratives to touch other people so that that can bring up what's been on going on in their life so that they can also work on being okay with the messiness that's inside because life is a messy thing, you know? So yeah, that's kind yes. of like a very general <laughs> overview of the last three years of my life. <laughs> I, that is so great. Do you have any, like, what was your favorite part if, and I'm sure there were plenty, but what was your favorite part of the PCT and what was your favorite part of the AT? Oh, favorite parts. That's so hard. Um, visually, uh, Washington yeah. is probably one of the most beautiful, beautiful states. I, I love, I love the goat rocks. I think that that place is absolutely spectacular. It's something I had never seen. Just the barren granite rocks everywhere and the flakes. And it was the first time I ever cowboy camped because that was terrifying. Um, and I think it's also my favorite because it's what broke me the most. I was broken from like, I, I had so many breakdowns the first few weeks because I had no idea what I was doing. But those are the times I think I'd share. I have I have so many stories from that first month of the PCT that was just like one bad thing after another bad thing that in retrospect are hilarious, but also like not funny at the time. So I feel like Washington just has a huge piece of my heart. Um, and then for the AT, definitely the White Mountains um, in New Hampshire. I mean, yep. People don't take the whites as seriously as they should. Nope, I didn't. I was like, ooh, 4,000 feet. Mountain. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. Smoke I don't. Me. I highly Smoke don't me. recommend if you like, if you, I mean, I couldn't walk for so long. I was in the best shape of my life. And I was, granted, we were doing 30 mile days throughout the whites because we were just, idiots. I don't know why we did that. That was dumb, but we were doing that and it was really, really, really tough, but stunning. Like the prettiest part of the East coast that I've seen. So those are probably my favorite parts. I'd agree with that. Barry, uh, my husband's from New Hampshire and he, (laughs) so you understand uh, like he, well, he grew up doing the whites and he's been talking about these mountains for forever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, let's go do it. So when our tour went through New Hampshire last year, we were up there for like a month. And we did Washington and Jefferson. Yeah. 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 I don't know. We did two or Jefferson and Adams. And I was just like, nope, I'm crying like the whole time. And the, it hurts. Kind of like, like when I hiked, hurts. Uh, yeah. And it's all rocks. Like you really have to pay attention to where you're walking, which was really pissing me off because like, I just wanted to like gallivant and twirl on this trail and it was not happening. And then Barry's like, yeah, but think about it this way. Like if you, if you like, just think about it as a meditation, like, where am I going to step? It's actually really easy. And I was like, no, it's not. It's really hard. This is terrible. Tell your husband, I don't agree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So tell me a little bit about, um, the work that you do now and how you're reaching out to folks. And like, do you, 
coach people? Like if somebody wanted to like work with you, what does that look like? Yeah. So right now, um, it's just, I've been doing a lot of writing gigs, just like random mental health, like write-ups about just depression, anxiety, especially right now. I've honestly worked on a lot of anxiety just because like, obviously everyone's anxiety is like super, super high. So just different like tools, um, to like kind of help and also just encouraging people to go see therapists a lot more. And, um, I actually, uh, I'll send this to you after the phone call, but I have a huge resource sheet that like has not only like a ton of information about like anxiety and like depression, but like different types of affordability for like online therapy, which I think is really important, especially because, yes. you know, it's, we're, none of us are okay right now. Like we can't lie to ourselves. None of this we're is not normal. okay. Yeah, no, None of this no. is normal. <laughs> and so I've been honestly just diving into that, um, full on. And then, so that's been part of it. Um, and then again, writing a lot on Instagram, but my newest project is writing, um, we're writing a podcast about mental health in the outdoor space. I mentioned that to you before. Um, and just to like, let's just talk about like normalizing depression, anxiety, because at least for me as, as someone who has chronic depression, like I felt like I was, something was wrong with me for like my entire life. I thought something was, I thought something was wrong with me, like legitimately wrong with me. Like I've been told I was crazy or I was emotional and I was like, or I was too much or I was an emo kid. And there's all of these names that we hear in society. And like, people think that people with depression are super like emo or sad or, um, or are not able to do things or people who have bipolar are aggressive or crazy, or there's just so many things. And there's so many names that, as you even said in, in your book, like those words stay with us as baggage in our backpacks, if you will. And like, they stay with us forever. And so what are we doing about it? And just talking about the shit that we need to talk about. So that way we can hopefully have more of an open space and a more of an open community so that people do feel like they can go to your retreat center because they feel safe enough, you know, stuff like that. So that's been the biggest thing. And so I'm, I'm interviewing just normal people who are just in the outdoor space, just, just doing it. Um, and then a few like outdoor influencers who also have been super open about like their own mental health struggles. So as far as reaching out, I like, I, I respond to almost every single message. I'm Granted, I'm behind a little bit because of the last couple of weeks, but like, I'm just super open to talk to anybody. I think that's, that's the point where a community of people. And, um, I think I want to grow, I want to grow that community of like, it's okay not to be okay. Cause I'm not at all. <laughs> I mean, I do my best, but I take it day by day. That's all I can do. Yep. Big time. So yeah. if there were people that are watching or listening that are feeling like they want to start exploring hiking or backpacking mm. as a way to start working through this, what would you tell them? Like, what's a good way to get started? Or do you have a process that you go through with regards to your mental health and hiking that would be helpful for folks? Um, that really depends also on like what kind of, if you are struggling with any kind of mental health issues, um, 
definitely like talk to a therapist first. Like, I, again, I just think it's so important. Um, make sure safety is like so big, like in the outdoor space as someone who has depression, um, when my depression is triggered, um, it can kind of take me to an unsafe space mentally, which makes me like not have, it, it can, it can harm me cognitively. Like I, it's hard for me to make certain decisions. So like first is safety. Um, I think another thing is like backpacking is one of those things that I think people think they can't do because it feels very scary. But I think the biggest thing is like, you're stronger than, you know, especially if you have any type of mental health illness at all, like you're already coming in pretty strong because you have to live with something every single day. As, as you know, like you live with something every single day. So if you are getting into it, like you can totally do this and you can like, you can be outside by yourself and you can like process these emotions. It's really scary to talk about these emotions, but once you do, you feel better. That's just, that's a science, you know? Um, And then I guess my other thing is do it with someone that's more comfortable at it than you. Um, That's how I got into backpacking. I went with my friend, Sarah, And I had no idea what backpacking was. And just because she had more knowledge than me, she made me feel really comfortable. And for me, I really like valued going with another female just because that made me feel even like safer almost that like if she can do it by herself, maybe I can do it by myself. Um, And now I, and now I, I hike by myself all the time. So if there's, I know that solo hiking is something that a lot of people are scared Mm. about, particularly women, especially survivors of trauma. So any tips or pointers other than just like, go, go, go for it. Any ways to psych yourself up or resources that might help you like wrap your head around what it means to go hike solo? Yeah. Um, it really also, if you are a, a victim of trauma, especially sexual assault, like, no, I would say, know your triggers, um, know what triggers you and know, your safe space as well. For me, like I still have a very mental safe space of like, if I get triggered, which is can happen like very randomly, like smell can kind of trigger things. Um, so for me, like making sure that I know where my safe place, which is like a a type of meditation that like a lot of good breathing techniques and some grounding tools. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then baby steps, I think like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to go to Yosemite to go on your first hike. You know, you can just, just go on a walk by yourself in the park with like, with your phone, like, and, and feel like those safety. And then like, maybe go a little bit longer. Um, it really also depends. Cause I say that I'm, I'm not that type of person. I'm, I'm definitely like an all or nothing kind of, kind of gal. Um, I've always been like that. So really like, you know yourself better than anyone else does. So just listen to your body and listen to your mind and what you need. Um, because you, you should trust, especially as so any sort of victim, like, you know, yourself better than anyone else does. So just trust yourself more. And then if I don't really recommend like, um, weapons, but like carry mace, if that makes you feel better. Um, I personally don't, but that's also come from like years of doing it. And like, being able to read body language and also 
checking out what kind of trail I'm hiking and what community I'm around. Um, I personally feel way safer in the backwoods than I ever will in the city. Um, and that's something I tell myself all the time, the likeliness of something happened, not to dismiss because last year on the AT, there was some violence on the trail. So um, yeah. not to dismiss that, but like, just know the trails that you're going to, I guess. I dig it. Um, so what, um, <clears throat> I think I need to sneeze. Nope. It's gone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Um, so when, when it comes to, um, like the events of the last couple of weeks, is there anything on your heart and mind that you'd like to share or speak to just with everything that's going on in the country? Um, and, the outdoors and how we can make this more accessible and more safe for more inclusive for people. You're muted. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I was like talking, so that's good. Um, I would say like, education is probably like the biggest thing. It's something that I'm like making so much efforts every day. Like at, even as like a Brown person, like, sorry, for some reason. Okay. Sorry. Um, ah! um, sorry. There's a lot of people that just came here. I live in a van, so it's, it can be kind of difficult to find like alone time. Um, yeah. I think like education has been probably like the biggest thing for me and yeah as a brown person like I know that I have racist tendencies and I think that anyone and everyone has racist tendencies um and to just check in with yourself more I mean it's kind of like everything we've been talking about today is like mindfulness and like knowing your body and like being aware really being aware of your body and not and being humble enough to be like hey like I'm not perfect none of us are what what am I doing to like work on myself to better myself and to like elevate other people who are now because they're like black people are totally being re-traumatized every day. And if you are a victim, so many black people are going through that. Like, what are you doing? doing so that people aren't really traumatized doing I would say that's probably probably the biggest piece of advice um yeah I think that's does that answer the question yeah sorry it was just cutting out a little bit as you were walking around so I was having a hard time following but I think yes it's probably definitely does <laughs> um okay let's see so if anybody in the Zoom has questions for Grizel, feel free to hop on and put on your video. Um, she has a wealth of information when it comes to backpacking and mental health and all that fun stuff. Um, so tell us a little bit about your life in the van. How long have you been in the van? Because we're van lifers too. So how long have you been in the van and yeah. what's your favorite part about van life? Um, I've been in the van for three years now. Um, favorite part, I love the simplicity of van life. Um, I love that you're mindful 
of everything. Um, you don't use extra water because you right. don't want to refill your water. Um, you're aware of your, if you, if you are in a partnership in a van, you're way more aware of your partner because they have needs as well. Um, I really love mindfulness. And I think as someone that has depression, mindfulness is like probably the hardest thing that I, it's the same thing I struggle with the most is like staying present and staying like grateful and like that kind of like talking down. Cause I, I tend to catastrophize things when I, when I'm triggered or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so relatable. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, very real. Um, so I really, really enjoy It's probably something I'll probably miss the most. Um, we're actually in the process of moving out of our van. So in the next oh, wow. like, few months, so it's a big change, but honestly, like my, my, real talk my anxiety's gotten pretty high over the last like few months being in the van just because of just everything that's happened in 2020 and um with covid and we've kind of realized that we should probably not be traveling this year as much as we have and so we're we're setting roots down in moab because of anxiety and just trying to like just level out for the rest of the year, just because so much has yeah. happened with so many people. So, but I will miss it. I mean, we, I also love our van. My partner is a fantastic builder and he makes bread in our van because we have an oven. So yeah, we're fancy. We have like, we have a whole setup. I could totally show you, but it's an absolute disaster. <laughs> Um, so when I moved into the van, I realized how much clutter caused me anxiety because there wasn't any. So the absence of it just like, it was like weight off my shoulders. It was so wild. Um, for folks and I've like, people have asked me about living in a van, but like, I I'm really fortunate and thankful that we have this space here where we can park and not have to worry about like the traveling and where do you shower and how do you sleep? especially because all the gyms are closed. Like we would be real stinky by now <laughs> if we were still on the road. I get it. Um, <laughs> I am. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so for anybody that's um, interested, because you guys have been doing the van life thing for a little bit longer than we have, for anybody that's interested in making that transition, um, tell us a little bit about how you went from non-van life into van life. Like what was that journey like for you? Yeah, I actually did it alone. I wasn't my partner and I had just met like the week I bought my van. Um, and it was actually the same week that I quit my job. I did, a, I made a lot of life changes that week or like those within that few weeks, just cause of everything that happened. I was like, wow, I like need to, I've always wanted to live in a van. I knew I wanted it. And I was like, I, I just feel like that would be a good idea. Like it's very simple. And I didn't, I've never had that many possessions. Honestly, shopping brings me anxiety. So I don't like to buy things. So I, I had, I have to admit it, it's probably easier for me than it is for a lot of people because I, I didn't have much. Um, I did have a lot of music stuff was the hardest thing for me to get rid of just violin, keyboard, sound system and all that. But it just felt like I really wanted to simplify my life as much as possible. Um, so I bought a piece of crap van piece of crap van. Um, the first one I got, it didn't even, when I first got it, it moved, 
but then the then it stopped moving it stopped moving a lot it didn't even go backwards and then it went from not going backwards to just not moving so it was a it was a weird living situation and i ended up parking it in my partner's backyard um that from a house that was like he was remodeling that was unlivable. Um, so I actually, this is going to sound so weird. And we were, we were living, this is our lifestyle. So that's what we were doing. We we're just living in this backyard with a van that didn't move. But like, the thing is, is like, you're saving so much money when you're doing it. So like, much money. So, so much, much money. money. And <laughs> I, I don't like spending money and I'm kind of anal about money. Like, I, I like to, I think it's because I like, don't, I don't like to work that much and I like to play a lot more. And I was just like, well, like, how can I do that then? And I mean, we were borderline homeless, but I was really happy and I was, I was really minimal. And I was like, I was, I was, that was probably like my healthiest mindfulness time of my life was I was like just practicing a lot of mindfulness and meditation. I don't know if you've heard of Tara Brock, but she's a fantastic, fantastic therapist, psychoanalyst and meditation yoga or meditation instructor. But all I was just listening to that and just being in this backyard and living really simply. And I don't know, like if you really do want to kind of like simplify your life, it really does do that very fast, as you know. Yeah. And it will, and for us, it was like, it was, it was necessity and desire crashing together. Like I quit my job, no backup plan, no nothing. And then we were like, okay, well, what, what do we Like, we don't have a lot of savings. We don't have, like, we're not, we're not trust fund kids. Like there's not like, we don't, we're not just like sitting on a pile of cash, like Scrooge McDuck. So how do we extend what we do have to go do what we want to do, which was everything we're doing now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it is really, I, this is the most clear I've ever been and the most like focused I've ever been, um, because there aren't other, like I get decision fatigue so quickly and (laughs) moving out of that, like it just, it frees up so much brain power. Like there's no way I could have written a book in a week if I was living in a house and working a regular job. Like there's no totally. way, but totally. when you clear room to like make room for adventure, um, anything's possible really. What is the, um, where's the most beautiful place you've ever woken up in the van? Oof. Cause you post some pretty beautiful stuff. <laughs> I know we've taken this van in places it should not have been. Um, that is a very difficult question for me. Hold on. You can do a tie if you need to. That's fine. Probably. We drove this amazing road in California up to Big Sur. And it was a dirt road that our van is his name is Arthur. Um, Arthur should not have made it up that ginormous mountain, but he did. Um, and we woke up to the clouds just resting on the mountains and the sun was just like right there, but the clouds looked like an ocean. It was absolutely amazing. So that's probably one. And then 
honestly, Moab is one of the most magical places on the planet. It looks like Mars here. It doesn't look like planet Earth at all. Like, it's also super hot. So that's another reason why it doesn't feel like Earth. But it's so red here. And that is super, it's so, like, I'm always just staring at this red rock, which doesn't look like it should exist. So I feel like probably those two places are my favorite places to wake up to. Yeah, I'm a big fan. We have a friend that's, uh, um, she's a mixed media artist in Chicago. And so when we set off on the tour last year, she was like, when you like dump out your shoes after a hike, save everything. So we can like mix it in with paint and then like do this thing. So we went through Utah first to Colorado and then back over to um, NorCal after that before we started going like our lap around the country and it was just like yeah. the pink like our whole van was pink for like weeks like you can't get rid of the red sand to save your life <laughs> oh no and we have two dogs here it's an absolute disaster but worth it <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you online and what um is the podcast the thing you're most jazzed about right now, or do you have other projects in the works that you're excited about? No, I, I'm putting all of my all of my energy on the podcast, which will be released July 15th, um, and that will nice. be through. It's the same company that um, did She Explores and Women on the Road, so you'll see it on Ravel Media's um, website and stuff like that, and then my Instagram, which is just my name, G R I Z E L. Well, there's underscores on either side of that. Um, so really just staying up on that is, and then if you listen to She Explores um, or Women on the Road Park podcast, it'll be on there as well. So yeah, that's pretty. Awesome. And then if you want resources, um, I have a better help. Have you heard of better help? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have, I don't, I don't know if you have the promo code too, but um if you are interested in seeing a therapist online, um, which is really scary and really weird at first, but it's so worth it. I have, I see my therapist through BetterHelp. I have a, a um, I think it's 15% off discount code for your first month. If you just type in Grizel, um, and oh, nice. it's on a scale. So if you like, I, I, I just love BetterHelp so much, um, but it's on a sliding scale. So if you don't make like much of an income, then you can be at the very, like the pay the lowest amount per month, um, based off your income. Um, and then I would, I will say like, if you do sign up for better help, um, you like give it a few, like if you don't match right away with the therapist that you are, are paired with, Oh, Oh, <laughs> um, if you're not match, if, Oh, it's what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> hey there you're good we're just but wrapping yeah. up awesome well thank you so much Grizel for joining us yeah. it was lovely to see your face and I hope you enjoy your uh, right back rest of the weekend you. in Moab yeah thanks for being here and I put um send me thank that link you. for the resources and I'll share that with everybody too awesome thanks for having me yeah thanks for joining us Hello. Hey. How, How you are doing? you? I'm good. Good. I'm nice, nice to see you. I'm trying to get Wi-Fi here at the studio. I'm sorry. Here we go. Now we, I think we're good now. Yeah. Can you see me? Can you hear yeah. me good? Yeah, you look great. Yep. You sound good. You look good. You. How are you? Thanks I'm for good. being here. Oh, 
we're just at the studio right now, you know, doing some works, you know. So, yeah. Nice. Where are you so, at? So, for everybody that, uh, I'm at the Reggae Ranch out in Julian, California. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. My fire went out, no, but that's okay. Or this guitar. Yes. Fantastic. So, um, for everybody that doesn't know you, tell me a little bit about yourself and the Late Ones. Um, so, I'm Tuya Vey from the Late Ones. Um, we grew up in Gardena, California, um, and then we moved to Hawaii for about 10 years, nine, 10 years. And then um, we started the band there. And then we um, came back, uh, I would say, like four years ago, just like back to the mainland so that we can tour and stuff because, you know, Hawaii is a pretty small place. So, once we did that whole circuit, we were like, okay. Let's go back to the mainland and like, you know, tap into that market and, you know, just like spread the word. So it's been a really cool journey. Thank you for having us again. Appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, you have been uh, like bringing the love and the good vibes to these protests in L.A. Tell us a little bit about the scene out there, because I love seeing the pictures of you guys just like jamming and bringing it. Yeah. You, well, you know, it's just like a, it's a roots reggae vibe. You know, I feel like people most of the time forget where which reggae music came from, and it was from Jamaican. It's from black people. So, you know, I feel like in, in this time, we really need that. Um, we need that stance here in this world and, and to stand up with roots reggae music. And it, and it, and it, um, I feel like um, it just invites other black people and people from the world to just tap into this vibe that we have, we've had going for a while. So, I mean, it's been really cool, honestly for it to like be full circle. Cause I mean, we've been saying this from, from when we first started, this was the foundation of the late ones. We were out yeah. to represent the late great ones that came before us, whether it be black, any others, any skin color, it doesn't matter. Anybody that did some great, some great positive thing before us. We're trying to represent that and reciprocate that in our music. So it's been really cool for it to be, actually, I mean, it's not cool at all because they're still just killing right it's people. actually pretty terrible yeah it's not but it's, 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 cool but to see it's, yeah it, it's just like it's funny that we have that we are um you know reciprocating this vibe so it's been cool it's it's been good it's been very good good i'm glad to hear yeah. that and so you guys you guys talk a lot about your samoan roots do you want to share a little bit about that as well well i mean um me and my brother have samoan and um you know in that culture um I feel like it's always just paying respect to your elders, you know? That was always the vibe. And um, me and my brother have went to Hawaii um, every summer growing up. And um, my, my great-great-grandparents had a house in Laie on the North Shore. So it, it's just funny how it worked out and, like, how we had the city vibe in L.A., but we always had the roots vibe always. And then for us to realize it in a musical sense, it's just, like, it's it's been crazy. So, I mean... I'm I'm so uh, I'm so blessed to to have this thing. So yeah, that's great. Do you have a song yeah. you want to share with us, and then we'll we'll chat some more? Yeah. Just get out with us. I see my brothers are here too. It was supposed to be just us, but I, it's me and my brothers here now. So let's do it. I love it. This is going to have to play. Yes, this is for George Floyd. Hey. Yeah. 
Babylon, you have to pay. What is there? Our destruction, chaos, and mayhem. I say, I say, it's a place all the souls we stay. You know the truth, thank it. I don't desire as we take my degree. One more, one more case. Babylon, you have to pay. What is there? Our destruction, chaos, and mayhem. You pay. I say, I say, it's a place all the souls you stay. You know the truth, thank it, I don't die as we take flight to things. Incredible, Jack. Yeah. And I say, hold that, your voice back, man. In front of the moment, like Kodak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't no buzz, homie, it's a Kodak. I'm in my mode, black, looking for a bag. We ain't out of turn around, like we cold the sack. And once I'm on the track, right, and I'm full attack, right, I walk right. like a boss and talk like a Mac. Right. See, I'm the coldest, I'm my niece, I'm the seltzer. Nah, I'm a dog, homie, Santa's little help me. Yeah, you know what they say, the talk is cheap. So this boss will hold me down to the end of the week. And I swear I want my hustle words to Nipsey. Up all night, like Gladys and they just flip squeeze. See, this mic is ammunition, so to them it's like a rifle. Look, don't find it, so my wordplay is trifling. Trifling, you ain't nice as them. Got your girl with your high notes like Mike and them. Hey, hey. Babylon, you have to pay. What is terror, destruction, chaos, and mayhem you pay? I say, I say, it's your place on the souls you stay. We know the truth, thank it, I don't die as we take flight to play. Yo, you got one. I woke up in the morning by your early cause my boy was in a hurry trying to get a ride to dive into the mood. See, I can't complain because it's getting kick flipping on the sidewalk. I'd rather be dipping in the cool. Man, I just be lost in these thoughts and my mom's and my pops steady asking, boy, what you gonna do? I tell him I'm a worse man, bless you with a great gift, like it from opening, you know I'm ready to shoot. I tell my boy, salute. My guts gang bang, but I'd rather maintain killing these fools. Put them on mute. They constantly saying things, but they don't think they gon' track some we do. Hey, sicker than the blue, it's pretty just for you. Uh. See, I'm allergic to the boys in the blue. Sicker than the blue, it's pretty just for you. Uh. See, I'm allergic to the boys in the blue, too. I tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Bobby, tell them, tell them, tell them. What is terror, destruction, chaos, and man, you think? I say, I say, it's a bless all the souls you stay. We know the truth, thank it, I don't judge I as we take flight today. Yes, ready or not, so here we go, and you can't hide. I say, ready or not, so here we go, and you can't hide. They was in place. Ready or not, so here we go, and you can't hide. Yeah, we gonna find you. Thanks for being here. This is amazing. I'm so excited that we got all of you too. Um, yeah, I know. It was, so, uh, I didn't know we were all, all going to be together. So here we are. Such such a lucky grab. I'm stoked. So what are you guys working on in the studio right now? Um, so we're working on the mixtape after the album. So, you know, trying to forward the vibes fully. Um, keeping the future in mind. So, you know, never stopping. We're always creating music. So, I mean, that's just what we do. It's our job. It's like a 
it's, I feel like it's really a nine to five type thing. So, you know, we just really, we're really getting in all the time. So. Sweet. So uh, what was the last uh, live show you played before COVID happened? Uh, we were in Hawaii. We were in Hawaii. Oh yeah. Big Island. We played one show in Big Island. And then after that, then. They shut the whole thing down. So, you know, it was really weird, and like, and now we're still trying to adjust to even touring after our album comes out or our EP, whatever we decide to do. So, we just have to take these things into consideration. So, it's been kind of weird, but you know, we've just been trying to adjust. You know, which life is about adjusting, basically. So. That's right. So what's your uh, what's your biggest inspiration when it comes to creating new music? You know what? Uh, for the late ones, and I think for all of us, I mean, Roots Reggae has always been the foundation, I feel like, in like oldies music um, and hip hop music as well. It's just those three things I feel like um, are definitely the late ones foundation. Roots Reggae, hip hop, and oldies. I feel like that's our vibe. Um, you know, because we represent the ones that came before us, so sure. it only makes sense for us to have that vibe. And it's funny to to have it because it's so full circle. I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> crazy. But, you know? Um, so do you guys spend a lot of time outside? Do you guys go hiking or do anything fun in the outdoors? Oh, hiking yeah. most of the time, especially in Hawaii. We're in Hawaii, definitely just being outdoors in that salt water. Here it's a little bit harder, especially with Corona. But you know, we always gotta. We always gotta find that salt water for sure. So, and mango Monday too for sure. You know, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we've had we've had a couple great guests. So we had uh, Zion. I was on on my birthday. Natalie Rice oh, really? was on earlier this week. Yeah. So some of the conversations we've been having is about the opportunity that we have in this moment, as chaotic and as unfortunate as it is. It's also beautiful and an opportunity to create new worlds and really just like build what we want to see. So what is, what is your like dream world look like for the future well, of funny. the late ones and also just the world we live in? Yeah, it's funny that you just said that because on the way over here driving to the studio, I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, the perfect world would be for money to be gone. I feel like the first step yes! is for money to be like, we can, the earth is giving us so much. We can eat food. We'll eat the food that grows from the earth. And then we can just like live from there. Like what, like what is going on? Like, I feel like the basic, the basic necessities of life have been exploited. Like just to eat, like is uh, just, just like you have to spend money, but you really don't. Like you can just grow the shit. Right. And like, yeah, that's that's one of the things. That's one of the things Zion and I were talking about was like, what would be possible if everything just went back to like energy exchange, barter. We don't need Art. money. Like we can grow our own food. We can just like show up and bring our gifts to this, to whatever community we live in. Like that's what we're building out at the reggae ranch. Like that's the world I want to live in. Um, so what are, what are some of the ways that folks can um, start to think about this? If they've, if they've never like considered that there could never, be a different okay. world. Look, if they've never, the first step I would say, just grow your own food. Start a little garden, like a little garden for yourself. And just like see how much cost you save a month from like you having food to eat that you grew like i don't know it's really simple to me but um what do you guys think 
Yeah. I think you just nailed it. Yeah. I'm That's nailed exactly it. what it is. I'm president. But if you're president, I want vice. I'm in. <laughs> it's a very simple step that everyone can take in the, within their families just to grow their own a small garden for their family. Like, I feel like, you know, like front lawns and it's just like a perfect, they want you to, they want it to look perfect and just like, bro, just imagine if you just like grew food within that space, like how much money you would save. Yeah, or, you know, you scratch, can just like, you know I mean? it's a full, I don't know. Man. That's just one of the steps though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? So when, what do I think? I think yeah, uh, think? money needs to go away. We already yeah. built our garden, so we're 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 uh, we're all in on that. Um, yes. I just I really think like this is a ex- extremely unique opportunity for everybody to just one kind of shut up and listen if you're if you're not black, like you know, like just yeah, take bought, a breather yeah. and like sure. and 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 let let you guys lead, right? Like there's no That's I don't right. need to go create my own stuff. Like there's already like the black community has been so creative and resourceful and there's really no reason for, for us to recreate what you guys already do so well. I think it's just time that the tables kind of flip a little bit where we're not the ones running everything. You know what I mean? Like I want more people at like, like my table is like the most diverse table I've ever seen. Like I want everybody, no matter what you look like, where you're from, who you love, how you show up, like that's the world I want to live in. And that's what we're trying to build here. Um, So yeah, I'm, thank you for sharing about that. Cause I know there's been a lot of stuff going on and I don't know if you guys want to talk about um, the, the sponsorship stuff that's been happening with you or that happened, I think last year, cause you guys were with. I'd rather not. I mean, I feel like we'd rather not because um, I mean, in some light, it does highlight what's going on nowadays, but I, I, I just feel like that um, as a group, we're just moving forward already. So that's like definitely in the Perfect. past. We've already gone past awesome. that. We're good. good. So, I mean, either way, Sweet. They, they can do what they want to do. We've been doing what we're supposed sure to do, is. and we're just going to keep it moving. So, yeah, that's yeah. all we got. So, what, what, what kind of brands are you supporting? Like, who, who's doing it right right now? That we should be paying I mean, attention right to right now. I don't know which brands are doing the right. I just feel like if you yeah. are a brand and if you have some kind of platform that you should speak on this yeah, because so. it's really a human thing. Like it's I can't believe yeah. that it's like I'm glad that it's a trending thing, but it's just like it's it comes back to just being a human. Like there's there's no color, there's no like we all bleed red, we're all the same, we're human. And I feel like we've lost that aspect in all senses of this whole world in every aspect of life we've lost that sense of um humanity there's no no one thinks about the next person they always think about themselves and i'm not saying i'm not saying that um we're not the product of the system that has been a force on us because that's just what it is but you know at some at some point you have to like just think for yourself man think for yourself know what's right and wrong we know what's right and wrong no matter what people talk to you, I feel like in your heart, you can always feel that just like, that's wrong. Or like, that's right. So, yeah. you know, so everyone can feel that for themselves. I think we just, we just need to be human again. There's no skin color. There's no country. There's no city that you rep. There's not like we're repping. What are we repping? Like, what are we repping? Like our country, our city, our like, 
our, our skin color. Like, it's just crazy to me. The basic necessity is that we need to come back to being human. That's it. That's I love. It. Yep. But that's just Big me. fan. <laughs> That's, uh, well, that's the world I want to live in. And the comments yeah, on our Zoom part. chat are yeah. like, yep, in, into that. <laughs> that part. Definitely. That definitely part. Trying to bring mm -hmm. that around. And I mean, sometimes I you feel like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, please. Go, um, please go ahead. I've been talking too much. No, you said sometimes you feel like what? Um, I mean, sometimes I feel like it's just separated no one's ever thinking about the basic things like i feel like we have to come back we have to unlearn a lot of things and just come back to those basic not primal i wouldn't say primal instinct but just like the basic um just humanity man we're just all i can't believe that point well i can't believe that we have to deal with this at this point you know that's another what's dumb well, seriously, like this is, it's, it's a long time coming and I'm thankful that it's happening. And like, honestly, considering everybody's at home in quarantine, not yeah. doing what they normally do, they can't run from it. But that's yeah. also really alarming because I'm just thinking about like the mental health in this country. Like before any of this other stuff happened, like COVID was wrecking people's mental health. Let's be yeah, honest. Like sure. if you don't have your coping mechanisms, if you can't go do whatever you do to like feel your feelings it gets wild. And then all yeah. of this, they're uprising on top of it. Like it's simultaneously tragic and beautiful at the same time, I think, because we yeah. have a really big opportunity to actually change some shit around here. Like yeah. borders are like, dumb. Like lines on a map are stupid. Like, yeah. what are we, like, honestly, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? I, feel, I, I feel that fully. I feel like we're fully on the cusp of like, either we're going to change it fully or we're just fully going to be fucked. Like, I'm sorry to cut some or, or we're just gonna be like no, it's, that's either, it's either gonna be very good or very bad and like I don't know. It's yeah it's a blessing to be part of that cusp and like trying to make people realize like, you know, it's just good and evil, man. That's all it is, man. You yeah. gotta just feel it within yourself, you know. Everyone knows what good and evil is, but they're just like they just like tend to disregard those feelings or just like put them aside for money or for whatever Power. it is i don't know just to gain more but yeah yeah well and it's like and it, it's just it's it's frustrating because it's like they're none of it's necessary yeah like the the constructs that we've come up with like it doesn't serve anyone except for a very small percentage of yeah. the humans on this planet like That's everybody right. else is in the same boat That's one right. of my one of my friends posted something the other day she's like just so you guys know, like, uh, we are all a couple months away from being completely homeless and broken more than yeah. we are a couple months away from being billionaires. In case anybody yeah. was wondering, like, yeah. I think that there's a large section of the American culture that is like, my big day's coming, like my paychecks, it's on its way. But like, yeah. how many people actually see that kind of abundance in their lives, like monetarily, yeah. not like, a lot not, in, not in comparison to the general pop, you know? I mean, and that's, that's why I feel like I feel like it's such a radical thinking. But you know, that whole the whole system has to fall. It has to be a whole like whole new thing, man. Because that thing was written with slavery in mind. So I mean, anything written with slavery in mind yeah. is nothing forward. So I mean, I can yeah. we're living 
we're living those laws right now still. So it's just crazy to think about. But yeah, you know, it can get it can get really deep. But you know, and it is really deep. And I feel like I'm glad to talk about this with you because you know, a lot of people are really surface thinking, and they're just. They believe what they what people tell them, and you know, and we have to dig deeper than that for us to go forward. So, you know, I'm yeah. I'm well, and I just think kids. about like, yeah, like I'm not I'm not planning on having kids. That's not on my life plan plan. But I'm thinking about like, what do we tell the future generations about where we were in this moment? Like, what side yeah. do you want to be on? Because this is a, a huge moment in history globally, and yeah. I just like the short sightedness of all of it, like. It's not a temporary fix. It's going to require a major overhaul. And For we've sure. got to like find the balance between the fight and the rest because like there's no, this is, it's everywhere and it's not unique in any stretch, but this is legit a marathon. It's certainly not a sprint. And it's, yeah. it's just wild to see how it's all playing out. But um, so do you guys have another song that you'd like to share with us? Oh, dang, my brother just went in. I could play one maybe for you guys. Hold up. I'm going to say so. Yeah. Oh, Josh here. Oh, Chow's in the booth right now. So, me and Josh. Perfect. Play. Awesome. Small eye. If you are the victory, we are the small eyes, sharp and ready, ready to go through the sharp and to go through the. There you go. Bibles and I said, Oh, evil man, and not Falling is falling is. Who so ever did that to me? 
gonna say we, we gotta get back in the studio here pretty soon but what we're we gonna say go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say where can we find you online and um oh, what are you guys working on right now that you're super stoked about yeah so um we're working on um the album is being mixed and mastered right now um or it might be two eps trying to figure it out but um and then after that we're working on a mixtape right now um real roots reggae hip-hop r&b vibes real open vibes so for the mixtape but nice. um you can check us on Instagram at um, at T H L E L eight one Z. Check it there. Um, Facebook the late ones, or just Google the late ones. And Fantastic! Thank you guys so much for joining us. Enjoy hey, your time you so in the studio. And when are you coming out to the Reggae Ranch? Because we're gonna hike together. Yo, a couple of weeks. I just talked to you. Yes, a couple of weeks. We're about okay, to do good. that. Yeah, Sandy, oh, Sandy, good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Awesome. Love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Peace hey, out. Thank you for having us. Appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you too. <laughs> you thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Okay. You too. Bye. All uh, right, Mr. J, come on down. <laughs> so Jay Reddy is the founder of the Outer Belt Alliance. He is the one that made this wonderful hiking trail happen around the city of Chicago. It is 220 miles long. That's where we were supposed to be hiking currently. We were supposed to be having our little party at Kibbutz Nest as we speak. We were going to do a little book reading at this wonderful bookstore and a bar. And then, yeah, it's just all, all good all the time. So Jay, what's going on, my man? Well, I came out here into the Outer Belt um, when I saw you outside when we got, got online an hour ago. I said, I got to be outside, too. It's one of the best days of the year in Chicago. And so, you know, I am just dying that we are not hiking and camping. I mean, it, it is going to be cool tonight, clear skies. It was about 75 and sunny. I was in the Forest Preserves on a bike earlier today. I spent a couple hours on the Outer Belt, and they are packed with people on the paved trails. But I hiked in here on an unpaved trail, didn't see anyone in half an hour in, and haven't heard a sound but the campfire and the wind in the trees. And I just, I'm in a couple thousand acres, and it's amazing that you can disappear from the world around you in Cook County and greater Chicago. Um, so I'm out loving this space. It's one of my favorite places. I'm sitting on a log, the dog sleeping on the ground next to me. Um, and this is my favorite t-shirt uh, I, and it was just reminding me, I got this shirt about two years ago tomorrow on the last day. So this is the Chicago flag in butterflies sold by the Peggy Notebart Nature Museum, which is on the last day of the hike. It's part of the Chicago Park oh, District. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And so we stopped on the last day of the hike coming down the lakefront trail. We stopped at the Nature Museum and I bought this as a souvenir of our first full through hike around the Outer Belt 
in 2018. And that was, so tomorrow would have been our last day of the hike. And that was two years ago. Um, and it just, you know, I wear it all the time hiking out here and I just love it. So, so glad to be here. The late ones were fantastic. Uh, I loved hearing right? from Brazil. And yeah, so I'm, I'm just so privileged to be a part of the campfire. And uh, <laughs> I actually, I, you know, I said I hiked in half an hour. I think I can get out faster, but it's going to be dark in about yeah. a half an hour. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I'm going to be the campfire with no fire. No heat and no light, but we'll see how it how it plays out. And think through all the logistics so, with that like when you're backpacking, right? That's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Problem solve. Yes. Well, tell me a little bit about um, you, your background, and why you started to create this. Like, what what was the impetus that made you connect the dots on all these different um, areas that make the, up the Chicago Outer Belt? Yeah. Thank you. So. I feel like I lead a little bit of a dual life. And this is what is so interesting about the Outer Belt being accessible to us in Cook County and Lake County, but in the greater Chicago area. So I'm kind of an urban development activist. And from 2010 to 2015, I ran the Chicago Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights. So you could call me a civil rights lawyer or a community development lawyer. And this is an organization I ran in my 20s called Urban Solutions. And um, very much about strengthening urban neighborhoods, very much relevant to some of the questions you've asked the other guests tonight about what's going on in our cities, what's going on in race relations in America. Um, and then I have this outdoor side of me where I have always been fed by being in the outdoors, always loved uh, what it gives to me, but I, I've, I've gotten so much deeper into that relationship over the last five years. And it started I, I actually, when I first moved here to Chicago, it took less than a year and I would join the board of a group called the Friends of the Forest Preserves in Cook County. And I started spending a fair amount of time in the forest preserves. I love the forest preserves, totally underutilized resource, although that has gone through the roof during the pandemic, right? Public lands, free, available to the public and totally harmonious with social distancing. The parking lots are packed so people can get out and social distance on the trails. And it's been beautiful because it's this multiracial, intergenerational crowd of people enjoying nature the way it's meant to be. And the Outer Belt is of a piece with that. So I started getting more and more into it in about 2015. Uh, at the end of, so at the end of my time at the Lawyers Committee, I was leaving to become self-employed and to focus on neighborhood equity and geographic equity in spaces all over the country, but in particular around Chicago. And the first project I got involved with uh, was a mountain bike park in South Chicago. It's the largest natural area in the Chicago Park District. It's called Big Marsh at bigmarsh.org. And there was this fascinating new idea of eco-recreation, getting us out in the, and, and obviously it's been around for hundreds of years, but right. calling it that and, and REI became a big sponsor of the Big Marsh Park. And I just, I fell in love with that concept. And two months later, my mom died suddenly. And all of a sudden I was kind of rootless. I had had both of my knees replaced. Actually, the first time I tore my knee was on Mount Marcy in the Adirondacks on one of those college mm -hmm. Adir uh, orientation trips. So there was this full circle thing. And as I was rehabbing my partially replaced knees, I just started going out into the woods more often. And I had a puppy that had just hit a year old. And so my spouse would finally let me 
take him out to the forest preserves. You know, before that, it was like, he's just a little puppy. Don't take him out there. But she would let me go. And that was right about the time my mom died. And I started staring at the maps. I'd always, you know, I have 10 years on the board of the Friends of the Forest Preserves. I started staring at the maps and I said, I bet I could hike in a connected way all the way to Lake Michigan from where I live. And then I looked at it in the other direction and I thought, I bet I could get over here to the Palos Preserves, which is about 25,000 acres. It's the biggest area in the Chicago area. And that connects with the INM Canal and the Des Plaines River where there's continuous forest preserves all the way up the Des Plaines River along the west side of Chicago, way up into Lake County. And then I found a trail. I just started buying maps and staring at maps and then getting on the internet and looking ma at maps. And there's a little trail in Lake County, a bike path, that, the, North, the North Shore Trail that connects the Des Plaines River trail system with the North Branch of the Chicago River. And that North Branch leads you back into the city and right over to the lakefront trail. And all of a sudden there it was, you could see a circle going around Chicago. Uh, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and there's a, the highway 270 is, the, the, is called the Outer Belt. And I knew that the DC 495 was called the Beltway. I just assumed the Outer Belt was what the highway system built circling every city. Turns out the Outer Belt is kind of a Columbus, Ohio thing. But in the history of the forest preserves in Cook County, um, there was this idea of an outer belt system, and I love that. There was also way in the western suburbs an outer belt railway line. So there's some precedent for this, this idea in Chicago, which is connecting all these natural spaces and all these greenways and bike paths in one continuous loop around the city. And I started talking to folks at Friends of the Forest Preserves. Uh, I went to a co-working day at our like let's be in an outdoor space and think about the new ideas that are moving us professionally and I met an outdoor educator a Molly Fitzgibbon who's one of the people who through hiked the first year two years ago with me I know she's watching on YouTube tonight and um, so I'm really happy Molly that you're here with us at the campfire because she was absolutely instrumental she took vacation from work like three months ahead of time she just said yep we should do this let's make it happen and the fact that she put in for that vacation, green lighted the trip for a couple of other people. All of a sudden we had our crew and we had enough of a critical mass to say, we're gonna do this. But that first trip was really ground truthing the concept. We had connected all the lines on the map, but no one had actually ever done it. And so you don't know until you get there, whether it's possible. And I think one of the most magical things was that it worked, right? We, we were yeah. able to do it. And it was an incredible experience. And it's sort of in and out of neighborhoods, in and out of civilization. And when I mean, when I say out, like I'm out right now, um, but we're also going down the lakefront trail through the South side and able to stop at a hot dog joint, which not necessarily the best thing. It wasn't exactly a healthy trip around Chicago because we're still in greater Chicago, but um, it was mind blowing just the whole experience. And so Grisel and you have talked about just the life-changing nature of some of these big trips. And 220 miles isn't so big, but man, it's it big, was big though. enough. It was big, yeah. And it, it was big enough to be life-changing. And I, I haven't looked back, right? So I am out here in the wood. Actually, it's been the biggest life hack during the pandemic for me. I'm probably spending two to three hours a day on these trails. I've got about 25,000 25, acres 
within a 15 minute drive from my house. And so I'm just sort of hiking a third of the outer belt over and over every month. And it's been three months now that I've been doing this and another 15 minute drive to get to those, all those extra acres in Palos. Um, And it has saved my life and saved my mental health during the pandemic. That's, that was going to be my next thing. Cause I remember you were saying like, I take all my calls in the forest. I like, that's my <laughs> office now. Like, I love that. And I, I just love how accessible it is. Cause that's something that interested us when we heard about the outer belt. Um, we were like, Oh, like, I know that I found healing in the back country. I wonder if this is possible in an urban environment too. And it's, it's nice to see some of this, like where you actually are. Um, where you're, you're legit in the woods. It's not just like a neighborhood park or something um, in the city. Yeah. But as far as accessibility goes for the community in Chicago, um, if you had to guess how much of this is accessible by public transportation and are there people that do this in like sections or is it mostly people that through hike it? Yeah, so there are people in sections um, on, on Meetup, the, the app. Th- there's a guy leading trips and, and he's in the northern section, so I haven't made it up where he is right now. But right now, every Friday night, he takes a small group on a couple of hours. And he, he's section hiking the entire outer belt. And I, I love that. Um, and we've encouraged other people to do it. So REI put the entire map GPS enabled on their hiking project app to encourage exactly that. And I, I do think it's incredibly accessible in a section hike way. Um, and to your point, it, it depends on you know, how you measure those 220 miles. But I would say about every 10 or 15 miles, there's an intersection with a major public transit asset. So the, the so metro cool. lines that go straight south, southwest, straight west, northwest, north, all of those metro commuter rail lines hit the outer belt at some point. So do three or four of the CTA lines, and you can use the suburban bus system to get a whole bunch of places too. So you can't necessarily get to every section, but if you were to just take your pack and bus out to the trip and start on your way around, you could do whatever section you wanted, figure out how to get to a return route and find your way back. And I think it's one of the next frontiers for us is developing little weekend trips in some of the most hikeable and most backwoods sections that encourage people to take the train out from the city, hike two or three days. There's camping too, which I should mention. And right now it's all closed. So here's a funny story too. Thursday night, I get an email from the little house of Glencoe, which is this cabin in the woods in the Northern suburbs. And so we're supposed to be three or four nights from the end of the trip. And little house of Glencoe sends this email says, sorry, sorry, this is late, but here's your code to get into the cabin. And I sent an email back, said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry we're not there. I understand I didn't get in touch to cancel our stay, so we should pay for it. And they were very nice. They said, we understand. We'll refund you. And we obviously want to stay there when we're able to eventually make this happen. But, um, you know, the pandemic has knocked me off my rocker and just totally forgot (laughs) to cancel that reservation. But there's that. And there's three Cook County campsites along the way. And there are a couple of other smaller places. I love listening to Grisel talk about parking their van in the, at the, in the backyard of the house that um, her partner was rehabbing. Because on our first year in 2018, I had a rehab project about eight miles from where I am right now. 
and we spent a night in the side yard there, put up our tents. Um, <laughs> awesome. The house wasn't quite finished, but yeah. So, you know, you make do. And, and I think ultimately some version of Airbnb could enable people as they through hike the whole thing to camp in people's backyards who are, you know, receptive hosts. We got to figure out a lot of logistics there and I'm sure there's legality, yeah. but it's totally doable. And right now there are probably five places to camp around the way. And so a lot of, a lot of what we did that first year was we'd hike to one place, camp there, hike the next day and shuttle back, camp there a second night. So we did a little bit of shuttling, um, but that's pretty feasible too. It was not a heavy lift logistically to make it happen and work our way around the region. Um, but back to the spirit of your question, because I've been thinking about this a lot, especially during the pandemic. And right now the Chicago lakefront is still closed down, but I think it's opening mm. up to people in just a matter of days. And if you count the Chicago lakefront, we got 9 million people living in the greater Chicago area. And uh, I guess that, that greater Chicago area gets a couple counties out. And so a little bit more remote, but I bet two thirds of those people live within 15 minutes of the outer belt, right? So the ability that just about everybody has to get to the place and, and claim a section of it. So that's one of the other things I think we're, we're interested in doing next is to get volunteers to say, I could lead people on this section. I will hike this section each year when you do your, your, your trail days on the outer belt. And I'm interested in helping to maintain the trail, helping to be a trail watcher for the Forest Preserve District. Um, totally accessible to most of greater Chicago, um, which is, again, to the point about public transportation, the ability to ride a bicycle to the route, um, all spectacular. So what, what's, have you done any work as far as like the communities that the trail passes through? Have you started to contact like those different organizations or businesses or people, leaders in that area um, who could essentially like be a welcome wagon? Because I know that's a big thing on like the Arizona Scenic Trail. Um, one of our earlier guests this week, Serena, um, actually created the trail community program for the Arizona Scenic Trail. Um, and like going through the PCT, like you go through all these cool little mountain towns. So like, is there, is there a sense of camaraderie or community around the trail yet? Or is, it, is that something that you're actively working toward? I think we're, we're actively working toward it. I, I would not claim that it exists yet today. In that first trip, you could see it, the way people welcomed us along the trail and in restaurants and stuff. Um, and uh, we have, we've had a number of alder people and um, the, two of the county commissioners who are very active in the outdoors, um, including the county commissioners for the South Suburbs, one of whom has bad ankles and said, I'm definitely not hiking, but my chief of staff is super excited to go out with you. So we've had those kind of commitments, and this was going to be the year to really showcase that. One of the county commissioners on the north side of Chicago was going to have an event with tables out when we hiked through, and that obviously got canceled because of the pandemic. But um, I think we're right on the cusp of that, and, and REI has given us a small grant to do those kind of community connections and, and advocacy around the trail circling it. So it's absolutely in the vision. And we're just, we're a young, all volunteer led organization yeah. so far. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I, I dig it. So how can people get involved um, with the Chicago Outer Belt and where can they find more information? 
Yeah, so the website, and thank you um, for whoever put it in the chat. The website is just outerbelt.org, and there is a sign up for email contact um, in the contact us point on the outer belt. We're also on um, Twitter and Instagram at, sh at shy outer belt, C H I outer belt. Um, and so, you know, we sort of had a failure to launch with this year's trip. We were super excited about having you. We call it Celebrity Guest Hiker. And during that first year, we had several people who were one day celebrity guest hikers. But to have here, I got my book right here, right? To have the author of Hiking My Feelings <laughs> be and, and, and um, your, your partner be the celebrity guest hikers for all 20 days of the trail days on the Outer Belt was just going to blow it out of the water, right? And we have had uh, some great press attention. So the other thing, you know, the website is also an amateur project um, that needs to be updated. But if you just Google Chicago Outer Belt or hike Chicago Outer Belt, there's some really great stories in the press that tell the story. Um, you know, I haven't even scratched the surface about our interest in connecting with the diverse communities that the trail passes through and around. I mean, it's part of the magic is that this passes through South side communities, Southwest side uh, suburbs, places that people don't think of a whole lot. And yet the natural gems of the Chicago region are in these places. And given the response we've had to the pandemic and the fact that we're safer when we're outdoors, people are ready to discover those places. And I am, incredibly moved by the racial diversity of the people who are in the forest preserves right now, experiencing nature as a way to take care of our physical and mental health during the pandemic. And so I just think, you know, now's the time to take this to the moon. Absolutely. So uh, you said the campgrounds are still closed, lakefront still closed. What do you think would, like, do you think we're going to get to do this this year? Or do you think we're going to hit like a second wave before we actually get a chance to do it again? Yeah, it's a great question. I, so <laughs> I, I had originally proposed to one of the other board members that we try to do it like the last 20 days of August. And he made a great point. He said, oh, it's just so hot. And the mosquitoes are unbearable during that stretch. And, you know, this is just as an interesting sidebar about what's going on here in Chicago. May this year was the heaviest rainfall <clears throat> on record in the history of Chicago. Um, and big <laughs> sections of the Outer Belt were literally underwater. I was hiking sections ankle deep in water. And the previous record for the heaviest rainfall was last year in May. And the previous record before that was the year before in May. And so if we don't need better evidence of global warming, there it is. And the mosquitoes are just going to be right. brutal this year because the breeding grounds have been filled with water. But having said yeah. that, um, September, I, I can tell you, June has been incredible. And the sections that were waterlogged have now drained. And, you know, they've done their job in terms of um, being water sinks for the region. September is going to be incredible. And it's totally going to be a question for of how successfully is the world able to get back to school, I think, and to, to the office. But I'd like to think we'll know by September and we could have a really good shot of doing a trail days in September. So that's my awesome. fingers are crossed on that. And I know it's getting so Mine dark, it's probably harder to see. Let me let me lift no, up. No, you're looking great. Yeah, you're okay, so good. Okay, if I, if I lift up the camera, <laughs> right, I can get some of the sunset can help me be seen. 
Perfect. Well, the next uh, section of our uh, program here is our group gratitude circle. So if everybody in the Zoom chat who wants to participate, please pop on your video. And I always like to have the last guest kick us off. So Jay, let me know, uh, what are you grateful for today? Thank you for joining us around the virtual campfire. Sometimes we talk about heavy topics, sometimes we tell poop stories, but regardless of what we've discussed, we always like to end the show on a high note. At the end of our live broadcasts, we invite our community to share what they're grateful for in a segment called the Group Gratitude Circle. Every week, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to connect with us and witness these stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. If you'd like to gather with us around the campfire live each week, join the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire VIPs. If this were a legit talk show, you'd be sitting in our studio audience. We haven't been picked up by a major network yet, so for now, we gather on Zoom. Here, you can connect with the community before and after the broadcast, hang out for sound check when we have musical guests, participate in the Q&A, join in on the group gratitude circle, and be eligible to receive prizes and gifts from our sponsors, partners, and guests. Learn more and join us at hikingmyfeelings.org slash campfire. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and anyone else who could use a dose of community and connection. Follow us on Instagram, we're at hikingmyfeelings, and you can tag your journey with hashtag hikingmyfeelings. And if you're picking up what we're putting down and you want to be part of this movement, join the Hiking My Feelings family at family.hikingmyfeelings.org. In case nobody told you lately, you are a brilliant human who is destined to do epic things in this world. Join us next week for more stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. Until then, happy trails!